Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is May the 6th of 2020, and there's no manga this week. Uh-huh. So we're going to do a Q&A episode. Yeah. If you're if you guys are OK with that. What if they're not? Let's all let's all let's all wait. Let's wait to get any objections. OK. And all right. Objection window is closed. We're all doing right. a Q&A episode. Sweet. Cool. I'm glad that there could be no qualms about this now. Yeah, especially for those people who are like, you know, are listening to this after the fact or, you know, who take if or if, if for, <laughs> I'm not, I didn't even leave room for the latency in this. Yeah, stream for <laughs> I was going to say there's people with just bad Internet connections who are going to get this 20 seconds later. Like, no, oh, hold no, on. I'm hold screaming. on. I don't want this Q&A episode. I want them to ro- rob a bank. <laughs> oh, shit. If they say we if they if the majority wants us to do it, we have to do it. That's the rule of Twitch. That's, how, that's the law of Internet personalities is if you put up a poll, then you have to take the consequences of it, uh, no matter what those uh, the options are. So, you know, that explains a lot. I bet in Alinity's chat room, they were saying you should spit vodka into your cat's mouth. And uh, she didn't want to do it, but the overwhelming majority told her to do it. And she's not an awful person. It's just mob mentality rules. I get it now. It all makes hear about sense. That. <laughs> oh, there's a good many okay. of those. I'm not. I'm not too surprised that someone did something on Twitch and that's bad. So yeah, it's cool. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that I am able to do this uh, episode normally, though, Chris. I had to fix my laptop in between the, the this recording and the last one. Oh, really? So yeah. Uh, I'm actually holding the broken part in my hand right now because this is the same area that I used my streaming area to actually do the tinkering and stuff necessary to replace the part. Uh, but uh, yeah. what happened? Um, the DC jack, the port in the computer where you plug in the adapter, uh, that was loose and broken. Uh, so I had to open the entire thing up and unplug it and plug in a new replacement part that I had delivered to uh, my apartment. And, uh, then I closed everything back up. It was very stressful at a couple of points because I ran into issues such as, uh, certain things not unscrewing. And I had to get a special tool to get a screw out of my laptop. So I hope that I never have to do that again because, uh, yeah. Sounds pretty bad. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. Well, we're here now, and there's no manga, but, like, Mm -hmm. brave soldiers were making the best of it. Yes, that is what happens. When there's only a spy family to talk about, we soldier on and don't talk about that either. Yep. (laughs) We we refuse to talk about the one manga that did come out this week. (laughs) What was the chapter of the week? Well, (laughs) this may surprise you. I'm giving it to that skeleton from Death, Death Note again. Oh, actually, as it's pointed out in the chat, the world terror came out, too. So. Oh, yes, that is true. Um, as, that's not a chapter that would be getting <laughs> a chapter of the week, though. Not it the, was <laughs> it was a post-battle world trigger chapter. <laughs> it was a chapter where I'm like, you know, we just read this. <laughs> we did just. <laughs> it's a good thing this is the only chapter that came out this month. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just like, you know, we read this, too. <laughs> So there you go, guys. That's our uh, that's our coverage for World Trigger for this one. <laughs> nice and easy summarization of that. Exactly. Uh, we're going to do Q&A, actually. We're going to do a Q&A, guys, as Nick mentioned. And uh, we used to do these like monthly. So we have mm-hmm. a bunch of questions from the email. But we also have a section of the Google Docs that Ninja X3i put up. Uh, mm-hmm. And that has questions as well. So Nick's taking a look at the email. 
and I have the Google Docs Docs up, and we're going to alternate that way of of you know shooting that question. So uh, there may end up being some double overlap, and you know we'll handle that if it gets to it. But yes, uh, that way we can try to get a mix of questions in there. There's going to be a few that are you know. Uh, from a long time ago from the email and some from the Google Doc that are considerably more recent. Mm. So, All right. Do you want to start off? Uh, sure. You mentioned Ninja X3i uh, maintains the Google Doc. Well, here's an email from Ninja <laughs> X3i with some questions in it. So. What a loser. Yeah. Uh, hello, Chris, because I, I don't know if I can stress this enough, but magic emo eyeballs, which is what these are, is the stupidest, cheesiest, most ham-fisted bullshit that he possibly could have crammed into the series. Larios and Nick fuck this manga fuck it right in its fucking ass I fucking hate this manga and I hate every single person who suggested this and said it was going to be better than Otaku no Musume's song because you're fucking wrong Freeman I'm assuming those are our angriest rants I think that those are probably the big yes so um so Ninja X3 has questions for us number one what are the best and worst predictions you've ever made whether on the podcast or otherwise I should clarify, this does not say manga predictions. It just says predictions. So, Well, a little while ago, I predicted that our president would be a reality TV star and we'd have an awful disease. <laughs> and then bees, which, oh, no, sorry, I'm, I was thinking Simpsons. <laughs> I was thinking I was the Simpsons for a bit and they predicted all that. I guess I really don't have right, any good right. predictions. Uh, this did when I was going through and make me think of some of the really bad predictions that I have made uh, for Weekly Manga Recap. Uh, for example, when for whatever reason I thought that Sabo was Mr. Tubon Clay, uh, <laughs> or when <laughs> did you? I did say that I thought that I thought that the guy who took his mask, I was like, oh, so Mr. Two's alive, and you're like, no, it's Sabo. Like, oh, <laughs> um, and the other one is, um, so, was, sorry, I'm just. It was really bad. So when we did that one Toriko chapter oh, yeah. where Toriko was doing his training. <laughs> and I said that these three characters that showed up were not actual characters. They were representations of Toriko's id, eco, and super ego. I really, it's astonishing on one level of how wrong it was. But it's marvelous in one way for such an inventive idea. <laughs> but when you look at it in retrospect, you're almost like, what the hell were you thinking? There's no, Nick talking <laughs> there's no reason to be like that. Like, it's not an unthinkable thing. Like, even if they had never been expressly said that, hey, we're, we're uh, representations of your id, ego, and super ego, uh, that it would be like wrong but it was just one of those things was like no it's just here's three random characters to show up but in retrospect you, it was it was more thought being put into that moment than anyone else had this is why whenever we talk about uh stuff related to the, to the future of so many manga where when i'll make a prediction i will add about five clarifiers onto it just so that people know I don't actually know <laughs> and I'm not confident in anything. Even when I talk about, you know, these days, like Dobby is endeavors son who he thinks is dead. When there are plenty of hints that you could actually look at and say, okay, that is, you know, the obvious choice. That's the obvious twist. I still go, but I don't really know. <laughs> it, could, it could be someone completely with no established backstory or links to anyone. You know, yeah. it, I, I have to just do that just to make sure I don't make as big an ass of myself. 
That said, there have been a couple of times that I've made predictions that have panned out that I'm kind of proud of. I forget. There was one that was relatively recent, I but honestly, I can't remember what it actually was. It, it might have. It was either I think my hero or it was Doctor Stone related, and I'm not sure. Uh, I just rem and that's really like self centered of me, self centered sounding of me to be like. I was right about something. I don't remember <laughs> what I was right about. It was, I was really right about something. <laughs> uh, the other that I remember, it's related to manga, is that I was very close predicting what the Espada ranks were with Bleach, and I did it based entirely off of like a two-page spread where it was like um, that one meeting that uh, the Espada had with Aizen and Gin and Tosin. Where there's like a two page spread where like eight of them have are you know, just have close up panels of their faces as they say something. Uh, and I was like, well, from this, I predicted this person is that this person is that this person is that. And I was I think I, I think from that point, there were like seven left to predict. And I got all of them. But like I had two mixed up, I think. Uh, so so I was pretty accurate with that. Um, I, st I do. I really wish that I could remember exactly what it was that I actually predicted correctly, but I really don't remember what it was. Uh, and of course, uh, as is being pointed out in the chat, I did say Unaha's dead and it's never coming back, <laughs> which I said insincerely, but I guess I was right. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as Rebecca Rabbit points out, uh, Yami was zero. Well, that wasn't part of the prediction because back then Yami was number 10. Yeah. At that point, we didn't realize we were all under the assumption that it went from one to 10. And had been stated within the manga itself. Yeah. So. And then Yami came out and told you who said the Asada went from one to 10. You're like, well, you really go from zero to nine. So I'm actually the strongest one, which was why I was beaten off screen. <laughs> which was why my cool special power was getting big. It's okay, Kubo. You can just say you forgot about him and didn't know of a way to get rid of him. It's fine. You did it later. Look, he made up for it by just forgetting Halabelle existed and she's still imprisoned in a dungeon somewhere. Assuming oh there wasn't some light novel that he wrote to like correct that. Uh, I'm at the point now where I'm not even like angry about uh, Bleach being dumb anymore. Which is why I'm actually sincerely, I said this on Twitter, but I'm actually sincerely considering doing like an episode, the recap of Bleach whenever the anime returns next year. But I would need someone to actually host it with me. And I want it to be someone who's never actually read that part of Bleach just so they, you know, see it with fresh eyes. And I don't know if there's anyone out there who's like, oh, I know about Bleach, but you know, not anything recent. So Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'll see if but I can find anybody for you. It's we'll just, it just me and a mustache. Like, <laughs> Hello, Nick. I am I Baron von Schmuggeldorf. You're like, I'm Chris with a K. <laughs> yeah, I'm Christopher. Um, I don't... Obviously, like, one of the more awful predictions I had... It wasn't even a prediction. It was just a stupid theory idea I had was the bubble fruit one. Which yes. kind of always will stand out as... It's always been there around him. Yeah. <laughs> just one of those moments at WMR where, like, in retrospect, you have to step back. Like, we were really at each other's throat over, <laughs> over a fucking bubble. I mean, if there was ever, like... I mean, we've been doing this podcast for close to a decade now, and that was, like, you know, a point early on where, like, you know, the crossroads diverged, and, you know, in, in one future, like, we just, you know, like got over it and then the <laughs> other future we like destroyed our friendship and we never oh, yeah. each other again <laughs> we never spoke ever yeah it, it just ended there um 
I, I don't really like claim like I don't hang my hat on too many like good predictions because I generally don't make super strong ones. I remember having like a pretty intricate prediction for uh, the uh, end of the what the fuck was the name of the arc? The the what was before the blue? The big competition between Central and and the Resistance didn't have a oh, name. Yeah, yeah, the uh, team match uh, between um, Azami's uh, group and uh, the Resistance. Yeah, I can't remember. Forces. I feel like there was a name for it. I can't remember. I I do remember having like a kind of intricate prediction there that just didn't come true. Because um, I think I predicted that they were going to eventually. It, it was going to end with Arena having her big. Right, you know, right, right. Like being the one to go against uh, Sukasa, and that obviously didn't happen. I mean, well, kind, it kind of did, kind of, because it was but, the two on two. Yeah, but it was a bit of a cop out. Yeah. Uh, so there's things like that, but yeah, I don't really hang my hat on too many like ones I make because I'm oftentimes so wrong. At <laughs> any time I, I think I'm right, it just kind of cancels out in my head anyway. Yeah. Now I get you. Uh, I question- uh, we got some more questions. Sorry, oh, that was okay. only the first one. <laughs> Uh, number two, Kazuki Takahashi meets each of you and decides that you'll be the basis for the protagonist of the next Yu-Gi-Oh! series. Ooh. What wacky hairstyle does the protagonist version of you have? What kind of deck do they have? Do they use? It doesn't have to be an existing deck. You could just describe a play style. What setting do they live in? And what kind of plot do they get dragged into? Ooh. So uh, I have a little bit of a uh, thing uh, for this. Um, I don't know about wacky hairstyle <laughs> because. Well, don't worry, I've got that cover when we get to. Mine. Okay, well, well, I'll just you know uh, I don't know Afro, and you can just come up with the actual answer, I guess. Uh, the deck that they use though is Dark Scorpions because I'm sick of Dark Scorpions never getting support for anything. Um, and if uh, a protagonist uses that set, then they have to release support for it. Uh, so there you go. Uh. The setting is going to be a spinoff of the of a part of an aspect rather of the five uh, D's element that I thought was very underutilized, which was psychics. And uh, so we're going there's going to be an entire like, you know, kind of X-Men Munes kind of thing uh, involving psychics and uh, what, you know, psychics trying to gain equal rights and not be uh, oppressed and stuff. While some radicals are basically put the Brotherhood Immunes and are blowing stuff up. So uh, so I would have uh, bright purple dreadlocks. Cool. But I would also have but. a giant green mohawk as well. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yep. So that's the hairstyle. Uh, setting, I'm thinking underwater. <laughs> All right. We all everything. Uh, you know what? It's like Sea Lab, basically. <laughs> it's like Sea Lab. We're playing in an so, underwater station. Uh, okay. Okay. I was gonna say like, so are they mermaids? And like, every time they draw cars, they're like, oh no, it's floating away. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's melting. Uh, and uh, my deck style would be: I want to uh, play. I obviously I don't know about Yu Gi Oh. Uh, from what I know, Yu Gi Oh is generally pretty combo focused and fast. Oh, that's definitely yes. Um, uh, it's not really my style. Uh, one of my favorite decks from Hearthstone was called Hand Buff, which was where you just got a giant hand of cards, and then you'd play one card that would give all your creatures plus one, plus one, basically, and you would just do it like over and over again until you could play like a three mana card that had like 17 times the number of stats it would have. It was terrible. It was the slowest deck in the universe. <laughs> one board wipe and you were fucked. 
It was right. awful, but I, I exist for value gameplay. And in my mind, I want the slowest, grindiest value loop in Yu-Gi-Oh! So, like, when we're in the big, like, a traumatic duel against the villain, I'm just like, I, I just survived long enough to be like, all right, now I have a 17-turn combo where I'm just going to give myself infinite cards and infinite damage. And I'm going to grow this one little tiny ladybug into a million point damage, and then it's going to punch you in the nose and beat you. Like, that kind of nonsense. So you want to have monsters that start off weak, but based off of your ability to slowly obtain more cards, uh, you can just buff it up? More so, I just want wacky value decks. That was like what I used to play oh, in okay, Hearthstone. Okay, I got you. So, you know, a, you know, a deck that anyone can make, essentially, without spending a lot of money on it. Yeah, well, just... Well, value is in terms of... See, I'm, I'm used to playing card games now in a digital format where... A lot of times you could get a card that's like, play this card, get two cards, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. And, and, and get like weird value things off that. Something where you're just like, you're not necessarily mid-range, you're not aggro, you're not control. You just play to get the most out of every resource possible. Well, I hate to tell you something, Chris. Uh-oh. But that is, this is the way that <laughs> that the game was played for a long time in the meta. So, <laughs> All right, cool. I'm right on board. So then. you would play Monarchs. There we go. <laughs> Sweet. All right. <laughs> Can't wait. You would play Treeborn Monarchs, basically. Cool. I'll have Dreadlocks and a Mohawk be underwater yeah. and play Monarchs. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, da, da. Question three. I tend to go back and listen to older episodes of WMR, especially recommendation episodes. And I noticed that there are several times where you would bring up the series Watashi ni XX Shinasai as a forgettable, boring and even bad series. And yet when I went back to the episode where you covered it, while it wasn't a glowing review, the discussion seemed more positive than I would have expected to the point that both you gave it a faint recommendation. My question is, are there any other series that you've noticed your opinion on has changed since having initially read it, presumably for a recommendation? It's amusing. Even in that discussion, I was like, Watashi, what, what's, what the fuck what's are you that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> um... Hmm. I literally saw that and I was like, did we cover that? And I looked it up and I was like, I still don't recognize it. I'm literally yeah. staring at like images and stuff and I don't like recognize this. <laughs> so here's a, a, a sad, tragic truth of WMR. Uh, a lot of the series I forget as time goes on. Every year we're going to review more series. And because the series we reviewed previously aren't Digimon, they just can't stay in my mind forever. Uh, so they they leave my mind, and I forget about them more and more frequently. <laughs> or Gash Bell. Yeah, it, it's not Zatch Bell or uh, Pokemon Evolutions. It, it's it's just uh, isn't something that my mind seeks to retain. So a lot of it just leaves. So I, I guarantee, in any year of WMR, you could pull up at least one series that I'd be like, no, don't remember that one at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I'm sure if we go back, there might be series from like super early on that maybe we just feel differently about. I mean, as Nick mentioned, we've been doing this for like a decade. I remember liking Change One, Two, Three a lot at the time. I wonder if I read it now, if I'd have that same sort of feeling, or you know, some of the other ones that maybe we were harsher on, maybe with you know a slightly less uh, vituous palette i might be able to be like yeah it's you know it's not the best but it's okay you know it's just sort of those things right yeah uh i will say that uh, we've been reading blue flag for this recommendation 
And I think that my thoughts on it have actually changed in between my finishing reading it and now. So <laughs> interesting. It's amazing how that can, how that can happen, you know. Yeah. So there are there are definitely some series like that where you get a certain feeling while you're reading through it, and then on reflection, you just you know feel differently about it. So, uh-huh. uh, question number four for Chris: Have you listened to seasons one and two of Dice Funk? And if you have, what are your thoughts on those seasons? Is this, I assume, what I was joined in season three? I I mean, this was this question was sent to us in late 2018. So you had been on Dice Funk for a couple seasons by that point. So so. I I listened to season two of Dice Funk because I was told I was going to be on Dice Funk probably like four months before the season they were in season two was going to end and then I was going to come on. Um, And it kind of took longer than they expected to end season two. So I had a lot of time to catch up. Like I, I listened to a couple episodes just to get an idea of like the style of the show and everything right, like how that. it's going to work, how long the session is going to last, the kind of, uh, the kind level of, tone, of seriousness that yeah. goes into it. Yeah. Uh, so I had expected to just listen to a good, good bunch of it and then go on to the show, but because it took a long, longer than expected to actually end, I ended up just catching up with the show and I was like, well, I might as well just listen to it all the way through sure. basically. So yeah, I, I have, I, I've listened to season two. I haven't listened to season one. Um, and that's not like a, a shot at season one or anything like that. Uh, basically I don't listen to dice funk period. I hate the sound of my own voice. I don't like listening to things I'm in. Uh, if I'm not actively recording the show, I don't listen to Dice Funk. It's just not my jam. Like the other one shots that I'm not a part of or anything like that, I'm just not going to listen to it. It's not an indictment against the quality of it. It's just I, I don't like hearing my own voice. And then if it's something that I'm not in, I also don't super enjoy listening to D&D podcasts. It's kind of mm. this weird irony of being in one uh, but right. I, I really just I it's just not my jam. Well, you know, some people like listening to it. Some people yeah. just like playing D&D. So exactly. Uh, the same question was asked of me, but for all of it. And uh, this is actually a, like I can't believe the timing of this because, Chris, I actually started listening to season three of Dice Funk the other really? day. <laughs> yeah, um, I have. I had prior to that listened to a couple of the one shots here and there, and it was actually the most recent mini season that you started doing. Uh, the was it uh, puns, guns, and oh, the law office, justice of, law yeah. office. Yeah, uh, I started listening to that because I mean, well, one episode that has come out, and then I was like, well. I'm looking for more podcasts to listen to, and here's a whole bunch of episodes to listen to. So I started listening to, uh, I started listening to the show starting with season three. So yeah, I, 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 it's, 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 it's very funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I legitimately, I, I can't recommend everything in Dice Funk enough. Like everything that I've been a part of has been, and I don't mean like that I've been a part of is in like I'm very funny. I just mean like. Anything that I've been present for, the cast as a unit has has produced something very yeah. fun, very enjoyable, very cool. Yeah. Uh, and I have the utmost confidence that everything that I haven't been present for is also just as good. So, like, if you're legitimately, if you're into, uh, I don't even want to say you have to be into Dungeons and Dragons. Although Dungeons and Dragons lore every so often is relevant, so much of it is pretty agnostic that if you're just into like kind of interesting fantasy stories, you're really generally going to gel, I think, with a lot of it. especially if you like the style of humor that we have. It's 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 very goofy and off the walls. All right. 
speaking of Dice Funk, question five. What would each of you choose if you were to get a totem spirit and a conduit power in real life? And there is in parentheses here. Chris can explain what they are if Nick doesn't know. <laughs> uh, so I guess, yeah, you haven't gotten to either. No, of not nearly far enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, season, uh, season three, uh, we had a character who basically managed to give us totem spirits. Kind of think like stands, essentially. Gotcha. Uh, you took a monster in D&D and a spirit of one bonded with your spirit and you could use it. So uh, my character gets a rust monster. So you could use the powers of a rust monster in, in regular practical kind of combat sort of stuff or just natural walking around sort of stuff. All right. Uh, there is a D&D monster that I have always thought was really cool uh, called a Nightwalker, which is basically this. Uh, think of like a Barog, but ice instead of fire, basically. Okay. It's a huge shadow creature with with a number of cold powers. So. Uh, I mean, obviously, I had one, which was uh, Zoe with the Rust Monster. If I were in real life, I, I, I've i become very interested in oozes in D&D. They're just such weird oh. creatures. And I, I just I, I like the kind of like flavor behind them that they're just these all consuming goofballs. But then <laughs> if you can get like if you can give them sentience they can become your best friend. <laughs> like it, it's not a thing. There's like one of the, one of the modules has it that you can encounter a friendly gelatinous cube named Globagool. Globagool. <laughs> and if you do, he'll be your, like you can befriend him and he'll join you for the rest of the adventure. And I was like, fucking every adventure needs a Globagool. I don't know why they don't have them. Every adventure needs to have a friendly monster that will be your friend. <laughs> yeah, I just I want Globagool. Uh there's tons of D&D monsters that I would love to like explore more of. That's kind of actually been one of my favorite parts that I, I DM the uh the one shot recently, the magical girl one, and now I'm DMing the short one shot. I'm kind of using that as a chance to explore some of the monsters I think are pretty cool that we haven't gotten to yet. So a lot of the like cool D&D monsters that I'm super interested in. You're going to be seen kind of through all those little mini things. So uh, conduits are to not get too heavy into the lore of Dice Funk. Imagine if there was one singular idea that you most closely aligned yourself with, and then that could give you a power. For example, we've had characters who were the, um, the conduit of conspiracy because they were heavy into cryptids and all that sort of stuff. And because of that, they were able to actually like retcon things because they, hmm. it was a conspiracy. They knew about it all along or something like that. Or you could be the conduit of freedom. And because of it, you could basically instantaneously teleport yourself anywhere. Um, that's sort of the, uh, the general premise of, of conduits being like, it's a singular idea that you most closely align yourself with and it gives you some kind of power. Okay. Uh, I would have the conduit of dedication Aww. so that I could actually make myself finish projects that I start. <laughs> I like that. That's actually pretty good. Uh, I would be the conduit of self-deprecation. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it doesn't do anything. I'm just very. It, I can nail some really good jokes every now and then, but otherwise, it's, it's a self-deprecating conduit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like every now and then you're just like, this is the conduit of self-deprecation. It's not that great. It's not, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's not a good one. 
Uh, uh, is that all the questions from Ninja Dix GA? No. <laughs> I'm actually going to skip this one. Sorry, dude, but I'm just skipping it. Uh, so there is one that I'm going to instead just use to plug a, a bonus thing that we did because it's a question about uh, favorite ca- characters as introduced in each arc of One Piece. We did a big, huge uh, video a couple weeks ago for a bonus episode you haven't checked it out yet where we did a tier list of uh, One Piece characters. Yeah. So you can extrapolate from that uh, how we feel about a, a, a huge number of characters. Uh, and anyway, I would have an incredibly difficult time actually remembering what characters were introduced when. So, <laughs> all right, that's the last of the questions. So. Okay, uh, we got a question or singular question from Gelly Ellison. Uh, would you read web comics for WMR? And I don't just mean uh, Korean ones, but Western ones like Gunner Creek Court and Sluggy Freelance. Maybe. I mean, we have been recommended a few web yeah. comics uh, and, and the recommendation sheets. Uh, I know we haven't done any of them yet, but maybe so. Yeah, I, I think there's a level where I, in my mind, I'm like, is it true to the spirit of WMR weekly manga recap to read web comics, knowing full well there's still manga we haven't read. But at the same time, I feel like part of the spirit of WMR is kind of expanding off of that anyway, not feeling too tied down to like one concept as it were so i could definitely see us like i don't think it'd be a regular thing but maybe every so often maybe like once a year during a certain month or something like that i could definitely see us being like hey let's check out web comics or things like that and yeah i could even see western ones stuff like that all right okay uh this next one's from thank you base james oh dear dear nick bobby root has a lot of good qualities chief of which is not being enzo fucking amore Ooh, still relevant today. <laughs> That's I just, uh, he just won't fucking die. So yeah. <laughs> and Chris, hey, at least I don't live in Allentown, Larios. I do not, you know. But hey, you know who did? Billy Kidman. Mm. Okay. There you go. A little piece of trivia. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Thank you, Base James. I'm back with more of the nonsense. I don't share with the girl I'm dating because I want her to remain sexually attracted to me. <laughs> Uh, all right, skipping the preamble on this one. Uh, big dick energy. What manga characters would you say have big dick energy? So, how do we define big dick energy? Big dick energy is generally this, just this is, like it is defined here. Okay, in this email as a quiet confidence and ease with oneself that comes with knowing you have a big penis that you know what to do with. I mean, the first person that comes to my mind would be Zoro at that point. Because Zoro doesn't really need to brag. He just cuts buildings in half. And you're like, that guy's probably got a gigantic penis. Yeah, I guess he never really brags about himself. He just kind of like goes and does his own thing. So so I want to just note, I, I decided I was like, let's just see what the, the world defines big dick energy as. Went to Urban oh, Dictionary. Boy. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, it gives a very specific example um, that doesn't actually even use the term big dick. Oh no, here we go. Pete, Div- Pete, Pete Davidson is 6'3 with dark circles, exudes big dick energy, looks evil, but is apparently an angel and loves his girl publicly. Um, apparently, Pete- I, I mean, apparently I- he is the source of this term. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, I, who in manga exudes big dick energy like that then? Maybe, um, maybe like Ginro. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he, there, the one time he got it all braggadocious was when um, he you know, was kicking Magma's ass and he was like, if it weren't for, you know, my eyesight, then I would have, you know, surpassed you long ago. But other than that, he you know just like sticks to his ideals and stuff, and he never complains about anything. And even when there's something that's dragging you back, he never complains about it. So. Yeah. I don't really have much to uh, add to that. All right, there we go. Yeah. Uh, question two: What is the biggest missed opportunity with Sakura from Naruto? That is, I mean, making her relevant. Sorry, did I mean to say Kinro? I forget which one's which. Kinro, um, whatever it, one's the Kinro not is, ner- like right. Kinro is the one with the glasses. Ginro is the worst. Okay, so. Kinro, sorry, is who I meant. I, I got their names mixed up when you said it too. I mean, it's very easy to. Yeah, it's literally a letter apart, and I don't remember Japanese enough to remember which metal was which. Right. Um, the example provided in terms of missed opportunities with Sakura was that in the Eno fight, there was the implication that Inner Sakura was actually like a distinct, separate personality. Uh, and then that was just never done anything with. Uh, I would say that in terms of like missed opportunity with, with Sakura was basically, yeah, like you were saying, just like it didn't make her an important character. Um, they are, were kind of gestures towards doing it different points, but uh, never did, you know? Yeah. I mean, when like like the last relevant fight that she has in like the entire series is when she uh is in that uh, two-on-one fight against uh, Sasori, the uh, yeah. puppet guy. That, that's a great fight. It's a very, it's a very cool fight, and she, I think but, she comes out of it looking good. Yeah, I mean, like she's not the mastermind in it. She's basically just allowing uh, Chio, I think is her name, to puppet her around and stuff. Mm-hmm. But she is essential to them winning that fight, and uh, then she basically doesn't do anything for like the entire rest of the series, basically. Uh, there and every time that she shows up, it's to like be really embarrassing. Like, um, I think she gets involved in like a little scuffle involving Sasuke, and she's like, "I love him," and then he like uses her as like a hostage, and it's like, God. Well, he almost kills her. He almost kills he almost her. Kills her. He, he he specifically misses, or she dodges, essentially being poisoned lethally, and that should have been the moment that that relationship ended. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. I mean, I don't, there's a lot of moments that you could look back and be like, I kind of wish they did that differently. You could look through almost the entirety of the female cast yeah. of Naruto and say that, yeah. too, though. So, I mean, like, even when you would like think of like, oh, got a whole bunch of female characters. But like, for example, let's say like, you know, Hinata, at least mm-hmm. she had that moment where she stepped up and tried to protect Naruto when pain was going to kill him. And that was, and then she had the confession thing and stuff. And then she's very quietly shoved to the side, but at least she did that. You yeah. know? So. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. There are many, there are many cases of, it, it's not even like there's a single thing. It's just like a, an ongoing theme with her. Yeah. Question four. Hashtag Ray and Cannon Ray. <laughs> okay. Is there a difference between the two? Sometimes are locked in a basement for 24 hours with no contact with the outside world. What do they talk about? I, I feel think... like, honestly, like Cannon Ray might be one of the few people that hashtag Ray would actually like have a regular conversation with. He's like, well, you're May. Hashtag Ray. Yeah. He, even if he's not actually hashtag Ray, he's like, you're, you're right. So you'll understand what I'm talking about. So. They would uh, actually, there would be like no bullshit. So you would just, you know, talk with him about really advanced stuff. So 
Uh, it would be a very meta conversation, it feels oh, yes. like. The idea of like, so wait a minute, you're me. Um, speaking to meta, Nick, uh, I know I talked about this briefly on Twitter recently, uh, but I'm I'm watching Community a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I mostly watch it while I'm painting, uh, paint miniatures, uh, just because I don't need to look up at the TV and I find comics right. work better for that than anything else. Absolutely, yes. So uh, I recently watched an episode... Where it's uh, Abed, uh, yes. it's his birthday, and they're supposed to do a big Pulp Fiction theme thing for him. Yeah, and instead, it's the entirety of the episode is a long meta joke about my dinner with Andre. Yep, <laughs> and I like I didn't even get it until like halfway through the episode when I was like, "Oh my god, this is a my dinner with Andre!" Like I've seen my dinner with Andre, but I didn't get it until halfway through, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is a my dinner with Andre parody." Like, I got it before they actually outright say the it. reveal. But I was just like, what is the fucking Venn diagram of people <laughs> who watched my dinner with Andre and liked it enough to, like, keep it culturally relevant in their mind? <laughs> and the people who watched Community, because I guarantee those circles it's barely fucking. <laughs> yeah, it might have just <laughs> been me. Because as the middle I was watching, it's like, what a fucking meta weird ass idea that we're going to do an entire episode that's kind of like an homage to my dinner with Andre a movie that 99% of the audience watching the show has not heard of I guess that's kind of the beautiful thing about Abed is that you don't need to get a lot of the references he makes <laughs> yeah I guess uh, it's it's interesting there's an entire episode that's about uh, who's the boss uh, or his or his subplot is and I've never seen that show so <laughs> Uh, last question from Thank You Base James. Uh, I got into re- back into pro wrestling in the last oh. year. This was this was 2018 though. Ooh, so <laughs> you're in for some good stuff. Uh, 2018 was that was I think I think 2017 was when SmackDown was really good. I, Probably. I, I think it was. Anyway, uh, one thing I'd forgotten about during the decade I stopped paying attention was all of the staples made up of ethnic and racial stereotypes. I thought, oh shit! I thought they would have stopped doing this after the Mexicals. <laughs> no, it's astonishing. Nope, Lucha House Party. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Sorry. No, no, go. No, I, 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 what's the actual question? Uh, the question is, could you guys create a three-man tag team of stereotype characters from manga? Give them a group name and explain how you would get them over. I mean, in WWE, you get over by uh, appealing to Vince McMahon. And if you yes. don't succeed in doing that, you don't get over. Um, but let's say we're not. Well, let's say we're in an independent company of some fashion. Uh, and you're going to take a manga stereotype. Um well, there's uh, Cinderace, uh, perverts. Um, let me, let me, let me. Dark Avenger types. Um. Let, I'm gonna look up anime stereotypes at the moment. I'm trying to think of like a good one, and the first one that came to mind is like giant boobed clumsy girls. But I'm not really like that interested in that one. I mean, that would that would be self-explanatory how they would get over. So. Yeah. Um, Hi, I've got big boobs and I trip and show them off to people a lot. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, ooh, I kind of like this. Uh, the the annoying talking animal. I found this on Real Rundown. <laughs> so I'm going to get uh, Luna from Sailor Moon. Uh, Cone from Bleach. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Related. Uh, he's, he's not an animal, but he's close enough. Yeah, he fits in that group. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like the Marco stunt of Jurassic Expression. Like, I mean, I guess <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know uh, how and, you uh, thematically. And uh, Fro- Froch thinks so too. Mm, um, there you go. 
And uh, you get them over uh, just by, I, I guess they they show up in other characters, like other teams' vignettes, <laughs> to, to just tell them what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> just to chime in they and offer explanations in a strange voice. They just, they're there for exposition and very little else. <laughs> All right. That's, that's all the questions from Thank You Pace James. Okay. Uh, I got a real quick one, so I'm going to do another one after this one. Yeah. Uh, this is from Anonymous. A discussion popped up in the Discord about whether or not you two would read the manga adaptation of Mind Comp for Statistic September. What is your answer? The answer is almost certainly no. Uh, it, I don't think there's a wide interest in our part in reading something like that. I think it probably would lead to too many people getting the wrong idea or mm-hmm. encouraging something that we're not too interested in. Because, look, you don't have to have us read the manga for us to be able to pretty openly state, like, oh, my Kampf is garbage and Hitler is bad. Like, you don't need us to read the manga yeah. to get that across. Yeah. I don't think that we're the kind of podcast that titling an episode Mein Kampf would not raise red flags or give people a mistaken impression just from seeing the title of the episode. Yeah. So, yeah, let's not do that. Uh, so another question. I don't know if this is from the same anonymous, but there's another anonymous question. I was looking at the other Rex page and I saw a suggestion for Harem Times Day where I assume you would look at Harem manga for the month. What do you think of that? And I think that's something we've kind of considered before, maybe not specifically harem series, but the idea of like doing like a romance themed month or February. It's it's always out there. I think we always try to kind of throw something romance and maybe not this year. uh, But I think in previous years, we've tried to get like a romance themed theory uh, series into February. I mean, with the one we're covering right now is. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) But I mean, in February, I'm talking about February. <laughs> in February, yeah. I, I got you. I got you. Yeah, it didn't it didn't happen this year? No. Um, what did we What did we cover? In, it was like Zatch the... Bell. I think was mostly what okay. we were probably yeah. talking about. That. So not not really any romance in that. No. no. Um, yeah, I think that that'd be a cool idea because I know that we we've we always talk about like we could do a different kind of, another theme month, but then we never do. So yeah, maybe this year we'll just get maybe. to October and just be like, man, fuck our series. Fuck our <laughs> All right. We got a question here from Jack Labarno. Just one this time. Dear Nick, Chris and hashtag Ray. So this is again, these questions are from late 2018. So we were doing hashtag Ray more, more consistently back then. I'm, I'm looking so, forward to in two years from now when somebody is like, dear Nick, Chris, and uh, uh, Henry K. Niger. <laughs> like, oh, oh, hello. Well, the, the difference there is the fact that I I have more confidence that Spy Family is going to be consistently good for a while as opposed to Promise Neverland just, like, getting worse and worse and just, us just losing the But I can't. How, how, can I ha- how can I have that kind of confidence? When I probably thought the same thing of my of uh, Promised Neverland at the time, I was like, "My Neverland's fucking fantastic. It's probably gonna be great for forever. It's so intelligent and witty." We'll see. Yeah. Uh, seeing to the Promised Neverlands getting an anime in the near future again. This was sent to us in 2018. What would hashtag Ray's reaction be for finally being brought to the anime adaptation club instead of manga exclusive? Um, I don't. Th- I think that he would actually be upset about it. No because, one can ever do my voice justice. Yeah, there would be that. There would be the fact that it's like, oh, I wish Hashtag Grey before the Promised Neverland was cool. Yeah. Uh, 
is it's no longer, you know, he, he can no longer be indie. He loses indie cred uh, because he's mainstream. And also that anime was pretty well received overall. Uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, point out a lot of flaws that there are with the series and <laughs> they're going to just find more next year when the next season comes out. Um, <laughs> but overall it was received quite well. So it's a popular anime as well. And uh, again, hashtag raise is just like, that's not his scene. It's so, uh, yeah, I was there when it was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question here from Ninja X three. I, okay. And it's a question for you, Nick. Oh, okay. Says when going back through the JoJo's Bizarre Pokemon Adventures discussion, I found that of the JoJo reviews, Stone Ocean was the one part that you seemed to be most critical of when discussing it. Despite this, during the 2019 retrospective, you ended up putting Stone Ocean as your number three best series of the year, being the only JoJo's Bizarre Pokemon Adventure series to do so, going against the unspoken rule you and Chris both seem to have agreed upon of not considering those for best recommendations. Mm. I was curious what ended up causing this change of heart regarding Stone Ocean. So it was a couple of things. Okay. Uh, one was the fact that uh, we haven't been covering a lot of recommendations in the in the last year or so. So the pickings were a little bit slim uh, in terms of, you know, a series that I felt confident, like, oh, this was one of the best series that we you know read. Uh, secondly, when we covered the series for the recap, I ha- I was still very fresh off of the ending of the series, which gave me a lot of conflicted feelings. And so I was kind of in this in the mind space of, uh, you know, kind of looking at things that I didn't like. But months later, I was like, oh, I really liked, you know, Jolene. I liked the relationship that she had with uh, with, with Jotron, you know, how it builds on that. And I think that it is incredibly bold to take the ending that it did of like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, just drop this so that I can just, you know, not have to worry about tying everything into Dio or having everything be more powerful than the last series and so on and so forth. Um, So I I had more positive feelings on it because I was more separated from it basically by that point. Very good. Uh, Next up, we got a series of questions from August. Uh, Dear Nick, oh God, help me. This isn't a joke. I think somebody broke it. Freeman and Chris, I'm hiding in the safe room. Call the police. My address is... Ah, they found me! Oh, so I die? I guess. (laughs) I don't really know what these are references to. (laughs) Question number one, I think I know the answer, but I guess to you, what's the core difference between Sanji's perversions and Mineta? Why is Sanji a beloved character while Mineta is petitioned to be written out? And do you think Mineta could ever reach Sanji levels of acceptance? Or maybe if Sanji isn't a good pervert character, who is? Uh, So I have actually had this conversation with a couple of people regarding uh, Kaminari in uh, My Hero Academia. Because a lot of times when there's a perverted joke, it's not just Mineta who's, you know, doing something. Kaminari is there, too. And he's being a, a weird pervert at the same time as Mineta. And... So, for example, when I bring this point up with uh, with Nicole, because she watches the series with me, uh, I'm like and I made the point on Twitter at one point, like if Mineta wasn't around, then a lot of people would really hate Kaminari because he would be the one person being responsible for this. And she pointed out that's basically all there is to Mineta, though, is being a pervert. Uh, That is his his core character trait. And other than that, like his design is basically a joke. And even his 
big heroic moment where, you know, he has the big thing where he stands up to midnight and he uh, passes the test. We learned that his big character motivation for becoming a hero is that he wants to score girls. Uh, And there tends to be very little development from that point uh, for him. Now, if the point eventually was that Mineta matures as a person and there's more of the stuff that we get in that kind of, uh, uh, was what is it called that um moment of clarity that he has where it's like you know it's you know it's being a hero doesn't make you cool cool people are heroes basically yeah and you know that's the kind of person that he needs to aspire to be and so he grows from that that would make him i think a much more bearable character for a lot of people that said the my hero academia uh, fandom has a very very bad habit of latching on to first impressions uh so maybe not (laughs) There are still people who are like, Bakugo's a garbage character. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even to that idea that, like, Mineta gets up but Sanji doesn't, I think Sanji gets quite a lot of people, like, criticism Absolutely. from people about yeah. it. I think as people have kind of gone on, they've kind of realized, like, you know, the tide's kind of turned against the idea of, like, ha, Sanji sees boob is very horny being, you know, a, a full joke and never really adding anything to it and unfortunately sanji's the joke of sanji's perversion has gotten worse as one piece has gone along that nearly died because he's a pervert yeah like so unfortunately those parts of sanji are probably the reason why he's maybe not as favored as he used to be i mean we we kind of discussed it during the tier list there was a point in time where I definitely would have said Sanji is an S tier, maybe the best straw hat, but I, I I think all the perversion jokes have kind of run dry. I much more adore when Sanji's just love crazy than when he's overwhelmingly perverted. Yeah. So you can be a comedic romantic without being a comedic pervert. Yeah. So. Um there is then kind of an outdated question regarding whether Junbei is a member of the Straw Hats or not. <laughs> so, I don't know. So I, th- I th- the, regardless of how we would have answered the question back then, uh, he's a Straw Hat now. Yeah. Uh, it's very official. So, uh, Question number three. Favorite Jojo plot hole slash inconsistency, as in, you know, a classic Rocky fuck up, like how Giorno can slow down senses, but then he forgot about it after he used it twice. Oh, kind of like something they brought up and then never brought up again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of those that you could probably point out where a character does something kind of pretty significant with their powers once, and then it's it's less relevant as time goes yeah. on. Um, um, in terms of, like, dropping something, the one example I always turn to is in uh, Golden Wind, um, what's-his-face-eats-everything guy, just as, like, he, he stayed behind. So that's how oh, he betrayed. Jo- Fug- that's how Fug- he Fug- betrayed Jorno. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that one. Um, in my mind, I like. I, I kind of always think about how it was a big deal when we first were introduced to Silver Chariot when he was an opponent. That there was like a faster form to Silver Chariot once he removed his armor, and I feel like that wasn't relevant ever again. <laughs> Like, I'm trying to think if there was ever a fight where he specifically removed his armor so he could go faster to do something. And I mean, it's been a long time since I read part three, but nothing's like immediately coming to mind. So I don't know. Is he referring, is the person asking this question referring just to JoJo? Just to, 
just a JoJo. Okay, then, yeah, that, that's 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 probably the one that would come to or, mind. Or yeah, because his favorite JoJo plot hole or inconsistency. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Next, we have. Uh, has any manga made you cry? Yeah, all here tons. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> One Piece. Uh, my heroes made me cry a couple of times. Uh, what's the most recent recommendation that made me cry? I don't think B Stars did. Uh, uh, man, we just, need we need like a wiki uh, so I can look up our. Oh wait, we have a thing in the Google Docs that allows us to do this. Big sad moments. Yeah. Well, I'm just no. I mean specifically, I'm looking up recommendations we've read that maybe. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Probably during Zatch Bell. I think, yeah, I think in Zatch Bell there was probably a couple. I don't know if I cried. I, look, as much as I physically actually crying is generally difficult for me. I repress a lot. Uh, and it usually comes out when more than one thing is affecting me. I don't know if reading something could make me cry very much, but movies do it all the time. I'm very open with the fact that I cried twice watching uh, the Jumanji reboot. So. Yeah. Like it, it happens. Like I'm not gonna be. I'm not trying to say like no, I don't cry. Just I don't know if I actually physically cried during uh, Zatch Bell, but there's definitely moments in Zatch Bell where I was like, "That's fucking beautiful, man." Mm-hmm. No, I got you. Uh, how did you personally feel when you learned that Gabumon was just wearing a pelt and that he was just a weird lizard thing? <laughs> I, think that, I thought that was always kind of relevant. I don't want to see what he looks like without it. Don't send me a picture. I've no, never no, seen it. I no, don't no. want to know what it looks like. Yeah, They showed him in silhouette for a reason in that one episode. <laughs> when you bring that up, it does. it is a weird thing, but because like he digivolves to so that the pelt becomes him. So it's weird. Yeah. Um, but Digimon are weird. I, yeah. I think that it's safe to say that, um, I mean, Pokemon, like, you kind of tilt your head and you can see how one form goes to the next. Digimon, no, no. 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 <laughs> Give up. <laughs> uh, a bipedal creature turns into a four-legged wolf, turns back into a bipedal creature who turns back into a four-legged wolf, but yeah. with robot what parts direction are you adi- What direction are you evolving into? Uh, the one that has more missiles at the end. <laughs> 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 the best description of digital evolution ever. That <laughs> really, really captures it in such a succinct way. <laughs> oh, I think about it like every ultimate form Digimon is like there, there, there's missiles at some point. <laughs> Whatever one gives me more missiles. Fuck, that needs to be attacked yeah, somewhere. Im- Imperial Dramon. Uh... <laughs> All right. That's uh, oh, there's one last question. Speaking of Pokemon, uh, there's the challenge to make a Pokemon, make an electric Pokemon. Oh, an uh, electric Pokemon. Um, yes. there's been like an electric frog <gasps> yet. We haven't like. I, I'm trying to think, I, and I can't think of. I guess there's been a couple like toads in in Pokemon, but there hasn't been like a real toad, like a big old grumpy toad Pokemon. What about uh, Seismitoad? That's like a big ugly frog. Though. I want like a big old toad, like right. on four legs kind of toad. 
Just it, it, it just like stares at everything. Yeah, and it's got its big, you know, it croaks out and it shoots out electricity from its mouth. <laughs> so it's like a regular giant, giant toad, but there's like a lightning bolt symbol on its on its mouth, and that's it. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it's exactly. Although uh, Replica Rabbit does have it right, we should have an electric eel Pokemon. It is kind of weird we haven't had one of those yet. I thought there was one in Gen Five. I don't think there was. Oh, well, yeah, there, that's right. There was Electrike, but it was like a ground, like kind of hovered in the air kind of shit. True, true, true. I don't know if I count that. So I, you want to do I, like I, a, a water electric kind of. Yeah, thing. like like um, uh, what you call it? Like uh, like Hunttail and Gorbis, but like an actual electric one. Those are such disappointing Pokemon, too. God, they were the lamest. There was for the longest time I never saw Huntail because no trainer like had it in the game that I could find, and I didn't look up the Pokedex for Gen three when I was playing it. So there so, were for years so that you there knew was a, that there was another form for yeah. the thing to evolve into. <laughs> yeah, and I kept looking, and then I think I I, I played uh, Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. I think it was. It was one of the Pokemon like the the story ones. And someone sent it out, and I was like, oh, hmm. I guess that's what it looks like. Just be kind of disappointed, being like, all right, whatever. I, look at, I, I get you, yeah. Uh, question here for Bass Forever. Assuming you were just a civilian or someone with basic powers in-universe, what manga world would you most and least want to live in? <sighs> so I'll say least want to live in I'm going to I'm sure there's a worse answer, but my first thought is the My Hero world, because it's it's just that idea of like, God, it must be hell to be like a civilian in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, because yeah. you're constantly under attack, And that feels like what's happening here. It feels like like the world is constantly in danger and under attack. So like if I'm just someone with a normal eye, like, oh, I can my my opposable thumbs are a little bit bigger when I when I blow my nose or something like that. Something stupid. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I don't want that. Actually, already ha- someone gave a better suggestion. Half a somersault says chainsaw man. And that's correct. That actually is. Oh, yeah. Much no, no, yeah, ne- that's never, worse. never. <laughs> that, that's my that's hero, like, but much deadlier. <laughs> that's my hero. But everyone dies all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't, Best one to live in. I honestly like I think I feel as though, uh, you know, the world of One Piece would be more appealing in that sense, because, yeah, it'd be dangerous as hell for a regular person. But there's all sorts of weird technology and stuff that you could, uh, you know, appreciate and stuff like that. And hell, there are, you know, there are regular people in One Piece who are, are combatants. They just, you know, use tools and trickery and stuff like that. So, um wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do the Promised Neverland. No, uh, that's a real bad people would want to People would want to eat me. Um, Dr. Stone. I mean, God, mosquitoes. That's all you need to know. Kalanus uh, <laughs> or Kalansus. I, I don't know how to exactly pronounce that. I think he had the best answer. The best one is Yu-Gi-Oh! Because it's our regular world, but everyone just plays card games. Yeah. All yeah. the time. I was like, that And there's awesome holographic sweet. technology. Man. Yeah. Next question from Jonah. Hello, Nick. It's a team condition! <laughs> Ooh. And Chris, I'm glad that was Nick's nickname so I didn't have to kill my vocal cords. <laughs> I'm very glad my brother is sleeping next door. I can't, I can't <sighs> be screaming right now. And question one. Have you ever started either to really dislike or... Uh, let me start that over. Have you ever started 
either really disliking or really liking a character and then t- done a total 180 while reading the series. So when you first see a character, you feel very strongly one way and then change your their, your mind as you read the series. Oh, uh, yeah, there's tons. I mean, we have a category for it, the recommendation, but I, I think probably the biggest one would be Gowther from Seven Deadly Sins. Hated Gowther for the longest dick. period of time. And then eventually you're just like, oh, no, this character is much better. He finally like yeah. grows and you're like, I like this dude a lot now. There's tragic backstory and you find out why he is the way he is. And yeah, so... There, yes, there is there is an entire separate category for that, and we always mention it whenever it becomes a a point uh, as we're going over a series. So, uh, question two: This is an interesting one. Uh, I saw a movie recently written by a novel author who wrote the screenplay, and I left the movie thinking one of the many reasons it failed was because it was written more like a book than a movie. Can you think of examples of a creator moving to a different medium and failing or doing very well? So, for example, the big example there is, you know, like a novelist writes a screenplay and then neither it's really bad or it's really good. Uh, and there's a lot of examples of, you know, novelists who write uh, screenplays. In particular, there are a number who have written the screenplay adaptations of their own book. Yeah. So um, a lot of examples of that are cited in uh, Lost in Adaptation uh, YouTube channel uh, by he doesn't go by the Dom anymore. Dom Smith. Uh, and uh, every time that's a point, he, he comes up, he goes over it. I know that J.K. Rowling uh, wrote the screenplays for the most recent fan, the two uh, Fantastic Beasts films. Uh, people in general seem to like the first one and really dislike the second one. So there you go. <laughs> it can go saying, well or is, it can go poorly. Is that uh, due to her talents falling or J.K. Rowling becoming progressively more and more insane and, and awful as time goes on? Uh, probably the latter, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael Crichton, um, I think, wrote a number of of good screenplay uh, screenplays based off of his work. Like he actually, I think, wrote the uh, Jurassic Park script. So that worked out pretty well. Um in terms of moving from one medium to another, uh, I mean, I guess there's TV shows to movies, like, you know, directing, but I don't know if that counts. So. I mean, you could, I guess, maybe say on one end, and it's almost kind of ties back earlier, almost as though it was planned. Uh, you could say the Russos going from being directors on Community, which I guess they were considered good at, but then going on to direct the most financially successful movies basically ever, where you're just like, oh, those guys translated skills because, you know, directing a TV show, granted, it's still kind of an ensemble, but directing a TV show is very different from directing a huge, big budget action yeah. franchise. The production would be very different. So, so I, I think there's a level to it there. Maybe not exactly a one-for-one, one, but, I mean, they definitely took those skills and were greatly successful with it going once they went to the big screen. Mm-hmm. Alright. Uh, Alright. Question here uh, from Gelly Elfson. What series is the best action manga you've read so far? And then kind of continues the same thought with what's the best horror we've read, comedy, drama, romance, and mystery. Oh, boy. So I'm going to answer the ones I could think of off the top of my head, which I think the best mysteries, the best mystery would probably be Monster. 
and I don't know if it's maybe fair to call it a mystery, but it has so many mystery elements to it. It feels like it's in that area, and I think it's one of the few that yeah, that there's hasn't a plot really... being uncovered. So yeah. yeah, I think it it really nailed that. I um, think the, I think Pluto could be in a way called a uh, not Pluto. What am I thinking? Twentieth century. Twentieth century boys. That one did definitely fall in there too. Um, hmm. Best action. I mean. In my mind, I think One Piece does really good action for the most part. I think because everyone has such kind of diverse ways of doing things. I'm sure there's other series that probably have done action really well in a way that One Piece can't. Um, but I don't know if I can get my best action manga. I think it just does all the parts it needs to really well. I really couldn't answer this question. I've read too many. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah. It, best is like a and- tough thing for me to do anymore. And there are so many ways of doing action as well. You can do, you know, cartoonish the way that One Piece tends to be. You could do darker and grittier. Uh, you could do, you know, like a sports violence, you know, like an MMA thing or, you know, like uh, like Ipo is. And Ipo is a really good example of combat sports uh, or Tepu. Uh, but th- I mean, the, it's it's like saying, what's your favorite food <laughs> like you know yeah it's, it's, i would it's have tough. to break it down into categories and say this is my favorite fruit this is my favorite dessert this is my favorite you know meat dish so yeah i'll, I'll say if if instead of doing my favorite or saying what's the best or even saying what's my favorite giving a couple examples i think like one piece and ice shield 21 and honestly Early on, Bleach, probably not so much later on, but I think those are really great action series. Like, if your terms mm-hmm. of getting you hyped up and into the moment, I think those series worked really well at doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedy, Angel Densetsu's f- hysterical. Uh, Mashal, I've been really enjoying. It's it's one of the few series that gets me, like, actually laughing every week. Mm-hmm. And um, best drama, pretty much anything by Urasawa is, is fantastic in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will. I mean, to give some credit to uh, um, I'm not sure if this is uh, a a good answer to the question, but I will say whenever the chapters seem to drop on uh, Sundays, uh, the series that I always look most forward to opening up are My Hero Academia and actually we never learn. Really? yeah, despite the fact that the Rizu uh, story arc has been so bad, um, or not even bad, but just like weird. Weird is the word for it. Yeah. For whatever reason, every time that I open up, like, all right, what's going to happen this time? So, and then <laughs> inevitably, recently, I've just been like, what does this have to do with Ogata? <laughs> Why is she here? That's actually, you know what? That's a great question to ask the audience into. If you, when Shonen Drop drops on Sunday, What's the first chapter? Like, if all the series were available, what's the first one you go to read? Because hmm. I know it tends to sometimes change week to week. I think, generally speaking, I end up going to One Piece first. But there's a lot of them. Like, it's 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 really good. Someone says a gravity voice. It's great. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question there, Jelly Olson. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from August. Uh, there are five here. Okay. okay. De- Dear Rolled Toast and Why Would I Want to Roll Time? Hmm. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank this you. Was right sent on in time. No- this was sent in November, so. <laughs> For who then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
Number one, you're going to a birthday party. Who's every main recap character? So what presents are you getting? I mean, Luffy's simple. You just get a meat. You meet. You get a meat. I mean, that's if you're crazy, if you get him anything other than meat. Yeah. I mean, he, he'll just be like, thanks. Otherwise, and then with meat, he'll eat it right yeah. in front of you. So uh, Deku would probably just want like books about superheroes or something like that. Yeah. Um, should we just do like uh like the regular stuff we do? Yeah, or do we want- yeah, okay. just the regular one. So Emma would want a new ear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, mean- <laughs> I want I want to say you're wrong, but <laughs> if you show up with I'm a so shocked, new ear. <laughs> I'm so shocked by your proposal. I do, I can't I don't feel confident in my ability to argue against it. <laughs> That's all I needed. Um, K would want something probably practical, but she would also be really impressed by something like, um, fancy chocolates or something like yeah, that. I think that actually that's a great one because like, you you don't want to just give her meat the way they do Luffy, even though she showed recently that she really likes, you know, Hey, luxury food. She's never gotten to try it. She'll try it. But Hey, yeah, it's something like more traditionally gift like. I think would be more appropriate for her in terms of getting food. So if not necessarily chocolate, then like you know, some sort of pastry or something like that. Um, Denji, you could get basically anything yeah, for him. I, he'd be pretty grateful. And he would probably, if, if not be judgment, not, not be judgmental, then he would not be ungrateful, I guess. Yeah. Like you, you could get him. You could go a couple of different ways. You could get him a pornography magazine of some kind. Like you, that. Honestly, if you got him a subscription to Pornhub Premium, he'd probably be ecstatic. Uh, but you and could also like, just get him food. Our apartment doesn't have an internet link. I'm like, well, you better find one, buddy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you could also just get him food. Uh, just so anything. Like anything that's just like a decent quality something. He'd just be like, oh, I've never had this before. The thing to remember about Denji is that he is a dog and uh, dogs are grateful for being given literally anything. So, yeah, except my uh, dog. I try to give her peanut butter. She's like, Daddy, get away with this shit. <laughs> uh, Asta, some sort of workout equipment, yeah. honestly. Like, yeah, that's probably the right one. Senku. You like a chemistry set or something or, or just something. Here's the thing. He doesn't need it. Because he knows yeah. all the answers, and I'm not going to be able to, like, create some perpetual motion machine for him to solve or something like that. But I think he will appreciate anything. I think that if you got him, like, you know what you, what you could actually do is, like, if you, like, dug up, like, a My First Chemistry set or something like that, and he would be like, well, this is completely, you know, pointless. You know, I've, I've already, you know, created my own beakers and stuff that are much more. But it turns out it's, like, the chemistry set that he has a kid, and he pretends not to be care or be sentimental, but secretly means something to him. because Oh, we that, don't see it until later in the scene where everybody else is going around partying, you see him, like, hugging the chemistry set. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I think also something you would appreciate is if you got something for everybody like if i came to it and i was like i got a feast for everybody or something like that i think that would be something he'd really like as well some sort of uh yeah something that will help in their mission he would be most outwardly appreciative of mm-hmm. yes tayo i I'd like a fucking vacation for that annoying brother probably a restraining order <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> spoke with your lawyers, buddy. <laughs> um, Yuiga. Um, again, he's he's kind of, and it's sort of a thing. Jump has a lot of poor protagonists recently. Yeah, He'd be more, pretty grateful yeah. for anything. He really would. And like Yuiga especially would be grateful for anything in a different way than Denji would be. He would like be much more sincere in his appreciativeness because he'd be like, oh, thank you. You know, even if it's something that he doesn't personally want, then he'll give it to one of the one of the girls. And yeah. they'll like it. You know, they, they, they cover a pretty wide uh, field of interests. So um, mash cream puffs. Yeah. Or like, you know, I don't know, dumbbells that have cream puffs on the end or something like that. <laughs> All right, I think that that's covered. Oh, it. I just wanted to say, if we do it for Shiki, I want to put a mop or a bucket on top of a mop and draw a face on it. I'm going to hand it to him and be like, it's a friend. And he's going to fucking adore Aww. it. He's going to protect it with the rest of his life. Oh, I forgot about Shiki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should be another tagline. Um, that's kind of all that he says. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next question, then. Uh Talk about character death in D anD. d How many times has it happened to you, and how do you feel when it does? Uh, I've had only one or two of my characters die in D anD. d One of them was definitely my own fault because I was playing a completely evil, selfish character, and he wasn't helping the group in a bad situation. Literally, like it looked as though the like the entire town was going to explode. So he got on a horse and rode away and like, you know, some evil thing hunted him down and killed him. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, it was my own fault. And so I was like, even if I'm playing an evil character, I've got to be a team player with this. So I, I learned um, from that point on uh, the other time that it happened was just, I, I failed a saving throw and I was really pissed off about it, but it was a campaign where our characters died a lot and got brought back a lot. Yeah. So it was fine. Uh, I've been fortunate that generally through my life of, of playing, I haven't had too many like killer DMs. Uh, some people who've kind of followed our DM stuff know that like in Death Clock, my first character died very early on. But even that, I can't be angry about. Two of us went into a portal to like a room full of zombies and no one else went with us. So the DM about that <laughs> like the dm tried to give me a chance to escape and i just thought i was like oh there's no possible escape so maybe it could scare zombies and it didn't work and i was eaten alive and he's like I, I can't be angry about it i'm like eh, it makes sense uh yeah and he's he said specifically that he had thought that either nobody would go in the room or everyone would yeah <laughs> and, and either only way we would have been fine <laughs> and instead like I, you I, guys touched a wall or something like it that it was and got a sucked portal the room immediately it, it was like and a so, portal and I the can, rest of us were like, well, I'm not touching that. I can vividly recall it was uh, the first person went through and then I was like, I'll go in after them. And then Paul was playing and he was like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> no one else went in. And it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, given the people who were playing in the game at that time, I'm not surprised by their reactions, but no. I can still be ashamed of my own. So... <laughs> Uh, but generally, I guess with the idea of characters, I'm I'm kind of weird because because I don't have killer DMs. I'm generally more often the one suggesting my character should die. Um, I, I, like every character death I've had in Dice Funk has been of my choice. Essentially, mm -hmm. uh, there's sort of kind of I guess an exception to that in, in the most recent season we did. Uh, but like 
the two big character deaths I had, I I chose for those to happen. Like the 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 DM was like, I I have a way to keep them alive or for them to appear again or something like that. I'm like, no, I want them to die. So I'm generally for it if it's for narrative function, if it's for something like that. Um, I've, I I honestly can't say I've ever played in a game. I one I've never played in a game with a killer DM, which just sounds awful. Uh, mm. It's just not the kind of DM I mean I like or. Yeah the way I want to play the game, but I haven't also ever been in like a long running campaign where a character, like a, a saving throw or, or an attack just went really awry and I died as a result of it. I haven't had that experience. So yeah. I really can't say to that. I think that the most ruthless example that has happened while we've been DMing like on stream and stuff like that was uh, also the death clock campaign when uh, Joe was playing Lord Vane and he was like, <laughs> He was like, I will not surrender. And like four spearmen stabbed him immediately. <laughs> and he was he was a little bit upset about that. But then he was like, you know, what? you did warn me. That's fair. <laughs> you know what? He gave it to when, me. When angry Joe is like, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> you, know you got you me. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of death, you die. Oh, no. Which afterlife would you prefer? Being in an endless purgatory, a heaven where you simply praise God all the time, being a ghost but you're the only ghost uh, or reincarnation where you could be anything from a person to a flower, but you don't get to pick. Oh, I'll be the one ghost. It's going to be fucking awesome. I get haunt <laughs> everything. I get to haunt everything. <laughs> I feel as though I would probably go crazy eventually. And I, I, I feel as though well, the ghost all of them thing, are going to be like that though. Yeah. yeah. The ghost thing in particular, I would have to ask like, what kind of ghost am I? Uh, you know, can I interact with certain things? Because if I can't interact with anything, then like you can't actually read anything, for example. Uh, you could just read something occasionally like over someone's shoulder, but you would have to read faster than them and stuff like that. If, on the other hand, I could like, you know, pick up items and stuff like that. You know, I'm a poltergeist or whatever, then that would probably be a lot better. Uh, the worst of these concepts to me is being in heaven and only praising God all the time, because then it's like, oh, God, you might, might as well just be dead. You know? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> just... the thing. Like, even that concept, it's like a thing where you kind of have to consider, like, well, that's almost an incomprehensible thing. Like, is it a world where I have the free will to do otherwise or I still possess a consciousness that recognizes I wouldn't want to do it? Or at that point, am I just like... Am I just like a waterfall where it's just like, oh, I, I water pours down me all day. That's the only purpose I serve to fill so I can feel no contentment other than to do that one thing. But praise God or whatever. Um, and also purgatory. So am I like that lawyer woman in the good place? Is that what's going on? Or <laughs> Oh, uh, Mindy. Uh, yes, Mindy. Mindy, Mindy. St. Mindy or whatever. Yeah. That's Honestly, that's, that's kind of where I thought it was going to be like, all right, you get to go to the good place. I'm like, done. <laughs> But it's the bad place, done. <laughs> ah, Nick, I, I can't tell you how many times during this quarantine I've tried to say out loud to myself, this is the bad place. And I wait <laughs> for Ted Danson to be like, ah, you figured it out. <laughs> and like and the whole thing to just you're like, oh, hey, cool. Ted Danson. <laughs> I'm like, finally, it's all over now. I did finally you, figured it did out. Did you get arrested? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Question four: the stupidest romance plot or dynamic you can think of, for example, Bakuman's bullshit. That is a very stupid example. Yes. That's uh -huh. um, probably honestly just this, in terms of like it's dumb. That's probably the best example yeah. in terms of like 
it pissed me off. There are plenty better examples of like, you know, this relationship is abuse, you know, (laughs) there's that. But in terms of we love each other and we want to be together, but because we have this image of perfection in our minds, we're going to deliberately make ourselves miserable by staying apart and interacting as little as possible for no reason. As someone who since that series has ended, has been in a long-term relationship or not, not long-term Yes, long term, but long distance relationship. No, would not voluntarily do that. <laughs> it's it's very much this weird romantic idea that's not romantic in the slightest. Yeah. And once you recognize, like it, maybe the idea is that only someone who's never experienced love of a romantic variety of any kind would even remotely begin to think that's a good idea would be on board for it. You ever think that like while Mashiro was hanging out with, with, uh, with, uh, Akira, then, you know, like, uh, um, Kaya was hanging around, coming to hang around and stuff. And they would be like, you know, getting increasingly lovey dovey in their game area and stuff. Mashiro was like, I made the right choice. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, man, I should have definitely. I'm glad I did this. Oh, he thinks that he, he thinks that he's got it made. He just doesn't know what, what real bliss is. <laughs> uh, also, there's a challenge here to make a bug type. I have something prepared this time. Okay. Uh, I have come up with a bug dark type, which is a firefly. Ooh, uh, I like that. The, the idea being that, of course, it is nocturnal. It operates at night. So Very cool. I like that. I don't want to come up with another one. So you got it. Um, is that the last one then on that one? That's the last one from uh, that okay. email, yes. I uh, got a question here from Molderman who says, do you think it's fair to write off a series or franchise based on not the quality of said property, but on the fan base? Are there any examples where this has happened to you? <sighs> it, I think... I don't no. know about... I don't know about fair. No, it's not fair, but it's also inevitable. Sometimes you can just get turned off by it. Like the biggest example here would be like Rick and Morty for me. I haven't watched Rick and Morty. I've heard I'd probably like it, uh, but like I'm just like I don't like the fans, and that's kept me from checking out the show. Like enough people mm-hmm. I know and I trust have been like, you would enjoy it. It's a good show, but I've just seen too many of the annoying fans that I'm just like, eh, it's not really like on my to do list because those people always will turn me off from it even if i recognize it's still probably good despite them um i will say that there are definitely fandoms that have put me off of getting involved in the fandom oh yeah um for example i've i i have watched all of steven universe because nicole's a big fan of it and i've watched it together with her i'm never going to get involved with the steven universe fandom because it's it's pretty weird <laughs> like it's and there's a lot of like gatekeeping involved in and stuff and it's 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 very bad it's such weird because, isn't that it's like because it's what? it's a series that preaches tolerance and understanding yeah. and stuff and there are people who are very weird about it and there are a lot of really good fans involved in steven universe don't 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 get me wrong there are there are fans who are very nice to people it's just that there is a very vocal minority and there are very 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 vocal minorities in every fandom like you know there are like bronies put people off of getting into my little pony for example when everything that i know about the show is that you know it's obviously a kids show but there's enough in it that you could probably enjoy it even if you're not a kid 
Um, but bronies were a, a really big thing for a while, and they probably put a lot of people off of getting involved in it because there's a certain perception, there is a certain uh, reaction that bronies would have to everything, literally everything. Yeah. Uh, that had any anything to do with the series. There is a pretty infamous, I don't know about infamous, but a pretty uh, prominent example to me of like some brony did like a review of like this, like coloring book or something like that. That was related to the series. He's like, I don't get what, so there's nothing in this for the fans. And it's like, <laughs> it's cause it's for like, you reviewed a product for like a six year old girl. Like, yeah, like of course it's a it's child. Yeah. And yes, there are, things that have appeals to you know outside of that demographic very obviously but not everything in it related to it is for you um and it makes me honestly glad when there are certain like things that get harshly rejected by a certain set of people so then those people stay out of the fandom (laughs) you know for example a lot of dick bags hate she-ra so you never you don't have to worry about seeing them if you get into no. the fandom. So um but that is the thing that occurs to me more than actually getting into a medium. So for example, I said already about Steven Universe, I like that series. I think that it is it is interesting. It has some really good messages for kids in it. It has some very good humor, it has some, you know, fun relationships in it. Uh but I, I never want to get involved in the fandom, though, because it, I, there's that's not really for me. So there's and I know that because of a lot of really weird Steven Universe fans um, to name a really weird example. There was some weirdo on Tumblr who decided to deliberately whitewash the series. And it's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> I, uh, all right. Uh, to offer something of the inverse, though. Uh, I, I, because I follow Ace, uh, I constantly see Final Fantasy 15 community stuff. Well, they don't do, they don't, they don't post stuff on Twitter about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and although I played a brief part of Final Fantasy 15, I didn't really have too much of like a thought on it. The general like feeling of the community looks so fun and cool and welcoming that I actually like it makes me want to engage with it more Mm -hmm. um i i I don't know if i ever would but it it is something where i'm like sometimes you do see communities out there that look really fun and cool and welcoming and and those ones yeah that that is very cool and and awesome that's that's honestly the kind of community i think most communities should try to emulate to be where it's just something like ah man let's jump in let's have fun you know like it doesn't matter what the quality of the product is necessarily but if the people behind it have that passion that's great yeah uh, there are definitely some that I'm kind of mystified by the fandom because it's based around something that does not appeal to me in the slightest. Uh, Ruby, for example, is one yeah. very, very passionate fan base. A lot of cool fan works for surrounding it. I think that, I mean, we we did a bonus episode talking about that series and we were like, why? <laughs> uh, Toho Project is one that bullet hell um, series where it's just like. There's all this fandom surrounding the characters uh, from it and stuff. And it's just like, all right, it's a bullet hell series. Okay. Um, so, there's, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, like, it is weird how oftentimes a fandom for a series can be an entirely different monster than you would expect it to be. Yeah. That's so. interesting. All right. I've got another email from August. Dear Nicholas Cage Match and Christopher Clobberin. Oh, yeah. My name's awesome. I'm going to go out and become a wrestler like that. 
Mine's all right. Yours is great, though. <laughs> uh, question one. You get a Midas touch, as in anything you touch turns into blank. So give me a favorable option and a horrible option. Far you farts for both. <laughs> <laughs> like everything you touch farts. So like I touch a bottle of water and it's like... <laughs> And then, like, you touch the oven and it's like the lid just open and it farts. Literally nothing that I can say can follow up off of that. <laughs> Question two. Uh, do you have a series that was really good in the beginning, fell apart in the end, and you can't get over how... There's weird wording on this. Uh, you can't get over how good it was at first slash obsess over what it could have been. Uh, bleach. Promise Neverland. There's lots of series, a lot lots of, of shonen series, honestly, yeah. that just kind of don't die when they should. So, yeah. Question three: Any plots you'd rather forget, like how Joseph spied on his mom naked? I mean, hey, I forgot it existed until you brought that up. So, I guess thanks, August. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure there's tons. Look, I've become very good at repressing things, as I mentioned. So a lot of the stuff oh, I, I don't want you'd rather to. Already forgot. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, there's a lot. I just crammed that down. Well, here's an interesting one. Uh, your favorite battle stance or pose, such as Luffy entering gear second, the way that Sora holds his keyblade, Goku stance when he faces off against Vegeta the first time, etc. Uh, I'll uh, give one, put one in here. Uh, Ichigo's Bankai stance when it's his, you know, back to the viewer with the sword extending out to his side. That's a really cool shot. I could see that. I, I also really like the example of Sora. I think that's a really good one. Um, I've been playing a lot. I've been playing an inordinate amount of Ace Attorney games recently uh, for the sake of kind of keeping myself inspiration for the the one shot i'm doing for dice funk and like there's so like just the phoenix right objection one is such like a great pose of like the finger pointed outwards did you ever play ace attorney never played it i've seen some playthroughs of a couple of uh of, of a couple of the games okay um yeah i'm very familiar with it despite that though so uh, also going to add in here, speaking of like uh, fingers, um, Deku's uh, flicking motion that he does when he launches the air jets is really cool, I think. Um, question five. The kids from the Promised Neverland do it. They make it to the human world. And who else do they meet? But Yuiga and his friends. Surprise. Ooh. The Promised Neverland crosses over with We Never Learn and they'll be there for the rest of the series. What happens? Well... In each of the endings, <laughs> Emma meets ends up together with one of her friends. <laughs> but it's up to you, the viewer, to decide which one is canon. <laughs> Did Emma get together with with Norman? Did she get together with Ray? Did she get together with I don't fucking know Oliver? So <laughs> <laughs> no, or, of course not Oliver <laughs> or Chris. Remember Chris? He was Remember very Chris? Sick. But Chris is still like comatose when they get together. <laughs> or did she just get eaten by a demon? Is that the canon ending? Yeah. Oh, man. What a canon ending. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably how it goes. Exactly. I do like that all the questions about we never learned that are coming in can now be referenced against the, the wall of this weirdly obnoxious ending we're in the middle of. <laughs> 
and then the last po- the latest Pokemon uh, prompt is uh, make a ghost type. Mm-hmm. I would love to see like a Chinese vampire thing. That'd be a good one. I, I would... hop, like a uh, give it one leg because it's hopping around and it's like uh, its face is hidden behind uh, a piece of paper. So I kind of like like a ghostly karate person. So a ghost fighting type. Yeah, that seems kind of cool. Like the spirit of uh, a deceased fighter. Kind yeah. Of and in classic Pokemon terms, ghost types always have the weirdest Pokedex entries. So this was someone who didn't win the Mortal Kombat tournament and was <laughs> killed as a result. And the ghost of them became a Pokemon. You're like, what the fuck? All right. Then. <laughs> um, okay. So we got a question here from Brawla. Is there a manga you want to share with us and or your podcast partner? either in a weekly recap base or in a big recommendation recap, which hasn't been talked about on WMR yet. Like, is there something you enjoy and expect slash hope us to, and therefore want to talk slash review about it on WMR? Well, I did very early on do an EPO, uh, mention occasionally talk about what was going on in, uh, Hajime no EPO. The problem with that is that it comes out in weird with weird, uh, regularity. And I would also feel bad about talking about it because, uh, by Morikawa's own choice, it's not available online officially. So, shh. so uh, I, I would feel bad about promoting that. Um, in terms of another series, I mean, I do still read a couple of the series that we have uh, done recaps for. Um, I read uh, uh, what was it? Onanoko. What was what was it? The one is like, so, I forget her name. So-and-so is a girl. I, I read that one to its completion. Um, I am still reading Nagatoro. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if I would do a recap of that, though. Uh, this is sort of, I guess, a weird one, because this isn't something I would necessarily say we'd all enjoy. But this was something I completely forgot about. I was just cleaning my room uh, and found an old notebook, and I was just flipping through it. And this is something I used to use... Uh, to prepare for a weekly manga recap back when it wasn't a podcast. It was a show I did in my living room. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I used to talk about a manga in there called Defense Devil, which mm-hmm. was kind of this weird, like, a devil is a lawyer kind of almost Phoenix Wright level story. And remembering it again, maybe like that would be a fun series to talk about at WMR. I, I don't know how the quality of it holds up. I don't think I even necessarily loved it at the time. It was just... It was an interesting series, and I was like, that'd be kind of an interesting one to, like, talk about again. Hmm. All right. Got some questions here from Jack Lebrano. This was sent in December of 2018, so dear jolly old St. Nick and Christmas Lario. Say uh questions for each of you first nick i've been following your gx differences on twitter <laughs> stopped doing that a long time ago and i was shocked when you revealed that professor crowler was originally an outrageous italian stereotype in the original japanese and i'm stunned that four kids knowing their former track record wouldn't embrace that and instead showed them some restraint because of this i ask if given the opportunity can being a stereotype actually help a character uh, if the stereotype isn't blatantly offensive, and unfortunately that is something that is basically impossible to predict, uh, it can make a character more relatable. Um, I think that the key tends to be not in terms of, you know, do acceptable targets, but like if you're going to stereotype a character in order to like make another kind of mockery, then punch up. Uh, 
otherwise do a harmless stereotype. For example, um, I think that, you know, making a, I think that, um, you know, certain like, you know, like, oh, Scottish stereotype, if you're not making them like a horrible, raging, violent person or a raging drunk or whatever, and they're just kind of like, you know, a bit of a braggart, uh, very outspoken. It's like, yeah, you know, that helps you to get a feel for the character. It's like, they're Scottish. So, yeah. uh, to Chris, <gasps> I've been, wa- I've been watching the golden wind anime week to week and I'm shocked and relieved that they actually bothered to give Fugo an actual backstory that Araki forgot to give in the actual manga. <laughs> Was just wondering, have you seen it? Do you prefer the Purple Haze feedback backstory that so many other fans enjoyed? Or, if you don't have an answer to either of those, are you interested in actually watching the anime as you were when Part 4 was being animated? Uh, so I haven't watched... I, I watched like like five or six episodes of Part four, uh, 5, and then I just kind of fell out of watching it. Uh, and I, I never actually read feedback. I, I, I read what happened in it at some point, and I've forgotten many of the details in it. Um, it's a shame. I really liked the character of Fugo from like a design standpoint, and I thought he had probably the coolest stand in Part Five. But at, at that that time, I'm also like, look, he's not relevant to the story enough that I'm desperate for like a logic to him or a backstory to him. I'm sure they gave like really cool ones to him and I'm sure all those are really good. It's just, it's something where I'm just like, eh, there's not as much of a drive, like a passionate drive to be like, Oh, let's find out more about Fugo knowing a lot of it feels kind of like after the fact reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've heard that the, 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 the feedback tried to give a way to explain like Fugo's shame at running away from the other characters during the big fight or the big reveal and that's like his big motivation is kind of earning his respect back and that's fine but that's not part of part five's original story and even if it was kind of always intended to be just the fact that it was kind of always a separate thing always have that kind of taste to it where it's just it feels not needed gotcha extraneous yeah uh and for both of you Recently, in the end of 2018, the super best friends have broken up and gone their separate ways, which is unfortunate timing considering I just stumbled onto them merely a half a year ago. And I wished that I was with them longer considering just how long they've been on YouTube. But it got me thinking, have either of you ever joined a fan base or a bandwagon at the worst possible time or worst possible point? Hmm. Interesting. I, uh started listening to this show called Dice Funk when it was really good, and then this big idiot joined in the next season and brought the quality of the show way down as a result. Um, you know, I, I know that there are examples of this. Uh, to a small extent, I was legitimately starting to really get into miniature painting right before the quarantine happened. So in a way, it almost worked out because it's like, oh, tons of time to work on this hobby. But it's also one of those things where it's just like, it's so, like, I was just starting. So there's so much stuff I don't have that would really be essential to the hobby. Like, I don't have exacto tools to, like, fix models that have mold lines on them. And I don't have, like, different primers to do different kind of highlights on when you're priming. Or I don't have very good paint ranges or things like that. You're just like, ah, that's kind of like a bad time to jump into this in that way. Like, I have nothing but time. And then very like not all the materials i need to make the best use of it you know 
I remember a, like a week into the quarantine when I thought to myself, oh, I quit my job at the right time. And then it turned <laughs> out, well, no, because now no one's working. And now <laughs> so, um, I've I've started reading a number of uh, web comics and stuff like right when they were on hiatus or right before they went on hiatus. So that always sucks. Uh, I, I'm sure that I've told the story before, but it's, it's, it's kind of a funny story uh, that um, I got into Aisho 21 and the last chapter that I read as I was catching up on it was the one where Haruma broke his arm. Yeah. <laughs> so we like, must oh, have been damn. right at the same time. I think mine was the gargoyle. So we so, were really yeah, close to each other. Same match. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually, this There's is a couple kind of example. There's a couple of examples being named in the chat that are pretty bad. So I, I've always <laughs> been point bleach just as it became bad. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. One in there is talking about getting into wrestling just as the undertaker lost his streak. I've always been told I picked a bad time to watch wrestling because the first big wrestling event I ever saw was WrestleMania 17, which is definitively the end of That's the attitude era. era. And I've always been told like, yeah, everything after that's, you know, ruthless aggression. It's when a lot of the quality went down. I never felt that way. Just because WrestleMania 17 itself was such a great event, like mm-hmm. regardless necessarily what came afterwards, it was such a big high that I never really felt that way. Yeah, well, I got into I got into wrestling in 2011, which honestly is not too surprising these days because you know some stuff happened at that time that pulled a lot of people in with you know uh, CM Punk and stuff like that. But if you look back now, it's just like wow, wrestling really sucked in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Capital punishment. Oh boy. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's, that's the uh, question. So. Uh, got a couple of questions here from Loon Ranmayasha. Uh, sent these in via email, but they're also here. So there's probably an email that includes these as well somewhere more recently. Uh, question one, which series added to the recap midway through its run would you like to have covered from the beginning? Hmm. So, series that we wish basically we had got just done straight as opposed to yeah. taking a break from. So, I guess Chainsaw Man, Chris. <laughs> Chainsaw Man would have been kind of cool. I think that it would have been nice to have that world trigger moment, you know, where it's like, oh, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And it's like, this was pretty good. Yeah. And then it just gets those on a streak of being really good for like months. <laughs> Remember when you hated Chainsaw Man, Nick? Shut up. <laughs> I... And also, I would have never made that bleach comment that people harp on me over. Even though as the series goes on, I'm like, you know what? I was right. <laughs> you weren't wrong. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best answer. Um, question two. Which Shonen Jump simulpub that you're not currently covering on the recap are you most interested in checking out or catching up on? Series like Hell's Paradise, Jujutsu Kaisen, Twin Star Exorcist, My Hero, Academia Vigilantes, Dragon Ball Super, any recent Jump series that you initially passed on adding to the recap? Out of the series that are currently simulpubbed that we don't talk about... Uh... I the, the answer for me would be Haikyuu, even though I know it's yeah, about I to end. That. Yeah, like, I mean, I really want a fun sports series to talk about. 
Um, that that would be the answer for me as well, uh, because you know when of what I've read of Haiku, I have enjoyed it. But yeah, it's it's a matter of like it's too late for us to do it now. Yeah. I would also like if we you know talked about Demon Slayer, but it's going to end literally in two chapters. So like, it's no point in, in adding it now. Um, out of series that aren't close to the end, I guess that Guardian of the Witch, I was, I would probably have been the most interested in. Um, but that's not a very strong indicator because the other series that we were like, we're not going to talk about this. We were just like, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, in, in a, in a retrospect, A Gravity Boys is a really funny series to talk about. It's not a good series. Yeah. I have been catching up on it just out of morbid curiosity. And it's it's a very bizarre series in that it's exactly my kind of dumb, and I still don't like it. <laughs> like It's exactly that's, like... That's like a slap in the face, too. And it's like, this is what I usually like, but I don't. Yeah. Like, when, like in a character... Uh, at one moment, they they actually just talk to the ghost, and they're like, "Do you just show up here to cause trouble and to give us these horrible scenarios?" He's like, "Yeah, that's my entire purpose." And I was like, "It's it's literally like the Mitt, John, Mitt Romney genie joke that I always use, and it's still me like, yeah, I'm just not really into this." Oh boy! All right, so uh, uh, grab a couple more here. Couple more. Uh, three more. Uh, question three. Now that Seven Deadly Sins is over, Eden Zero mm-hmm. is the only Crunchyroll series in the recap. Are there yep. any Crunchyroll manga you're interested in reading for possible, inc- possible inclusion to the recap or even series available elsewhere like on Manga Plus or Comixology? <sighs> well, so uh, I'll reveal something. Uh, when I originally suggested Blue Flag, didn't know it was ending. I thought maybe this yeah. would be the secret way to get that into the podcast. That's unfortunate. It literally ended like the week after we started uh, yeah. taking it for the recommendation. Uh, of the stuff that's simulpubbed, um, I don't think that I would definitely want to add anything uh, to it. There aren't a lot of Crunchyroll series that I read beyond Eden Zero now at this point. Like, I don't even really keep up with Attack on Titan anymore. Mm. Um other than that, I think that the only series they actually they actually occasionally read is that I hate read this one weird harem isekai series, uh, and it would not be interesting to talk about uh, because it's just like, well, this was stupid. So, <laughs> yeah, I started reading it because I thought it was a romance series. It was a harem series, and I was Aww. like, God damn it! <laughs> and then I was like. Well, it's really easy to read because it's just a bunch of boob jokes and really shitty, you know, harem blots. So, um, so not really, no. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, look, for Crunchyroll stuff, I think the best way would be we probably at some point should try to look through them and see if there is something out there. Uh, but it's tough because a lot of the times we don't really know when those series are starting. So a lot of them are like, hey, this has been running for you know four years you want to jump into it now like not particularly uh so i don't know we'll see uh question four what is the series you've most been disappointed by reading for the recap and the series you've been most surprised by uh of late the most disappointing has definitely been the promise neverland because it was i mean it was like in the first year that it was running it was one of uh, if not the best manga that year uh that we covered 
and uh, then it got to be a little bit worse, and then it got to be a lot worse, and then just never went back up. And uh, it's just kind of you know, it's not even really fun to talk about anymore because it's just other, unless it goes to like extreme stupidity. Uh, like it did um, very recently with all of the ass pulls for everything ending up okay. Uh, so now we just kind of end up making our own fun for it. It's disappointing. Yeah. So. Uh, one, I, I guess most disappointed by for me would probably be Act Age, um, but not like in a super harsh way. That was just one that I was really intrigued by the premise and then seeing the execution of it. I'm like, oh, this isn't really what I was kind of appeal- expecting. Yeah, it doesn't appeal to you. It's um, fine. What I've been most surprised by, though, honestly, to a certain extent, has been Black Clover recently. It hasn't been great, but I hated Black Clover during the yeah. invasion arc, and I have been enjoying many of the chapters recently. And maybe has it come across super well in the recap, but generally, I have been enjoying Black Clover. It is kind of an exciting series recently. Uh, I mean, you know, it's made a lot of decisions that I do definitely appreciate. Uh, giving some focus to some minor characters in the Black Bulls is nice. Giving Yuno some actual character motivation has been a necessary yeah. but appreciated move. Uh, beyond that, uh, Chainsaw Man. Um, definitely, like, I mean, like, I like it every single week. Um, and it's, you know, it was a series that I really, really, really disliked, uh, especially at a lot of points while I was getting caught up on it. But my biggest objection to it has been just that Denji is a stupid asshole who just wants to touch boobs. And when you kind of just accept that and you focus instead on the things happening around him and the series focuses on the things happening around him, then it becomes a lot more fun. Uh, so it's been a lot better. Uh, and uh, I will say also to an extent, uh, Mashal has definitely been surprising because it was a very, it was just a comedy series. And while it is still a very comedy heavy series, it is demonstrated that it can also do more traditional shonen action stuff quite well. Yeah. So, and the comedy just comes in a very, you know, one punch man kind of way of having this ridiculous ill-fitting character in this world. So uh question five i think you're the only one going to be able to answer the first part of this what do you think of demon slayer's explosion in popularity in the past year and do you think any other series currently running a jump could see that level of enhanced success when they get adapted into anime uh i really am glad that demon slayer has blown up because uh it was if it hadn't then i wouldn't have actually gotten into it again it was a series that i very much just kind of dropped when we stopped uh, reading it after the jumpstart run. And then when I heard that it was you know, doing really well and that a lot of people really liked it, I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And I really enjoyed the anime and it became my primary way of consuming the series, which is unusual for, you know, a series that we read the manga for, for a little bit. Um, and that has been running this whole time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like I'm really glad for it and also it's a good series. So I'm glad that it's, that it's popular. Um, in terms of series that could experience an, an explosion in popularity if they're adapted. It's Chainsaw Man, like Chainsaw Man. Well, that's actually, if, if it gets adapted, the, 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 the greatest strength and the greatest enemy of it is going to be Fujimoto where how much of the series gets censored or changed yeah. to appeal to a larger audience. Cause 
by the nature of the product that's out there, I, like so many of just like, and, and I don't know how to say this other than this term, basic anime dudes, like would just love this series. Like it has the properties that I think they would love about it. Where like this is a cool action character. He he blows things. He's, he looks really awesome. He's dynamic. He tears things apart. He's funny. It's got like fun side characters. It has cute waifus, like that kind of like all of that. All those elements are there to a series that I'm like, this would attract a big audience, but I don't know if it can get translated to anime the right way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just, it's very possible it either doesn't get animated ever or it gets like an extremely neutered animated series. I do think, however, it's kind of got a little bit of a Demon Slayer kind of uh, edge to it where like the anime itself could add a lot to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that would be a big reason for its potential success. Like, I do think that because of the kind of series that it is in many respects, uh, not just in terms of content, but in terms of style, that the anime would look very different for a lot of reasons. So Uh, and I think that that's probably the best example of the ones that you could like point to of like the currently running jump series. Like, I really don't think that, for example, Mission Yuzakura family, it would be anything exceptional if it got turned into an anime. Um, it's, it's characters and it's look are too general. Like they're too, they look stereotypically anime and that's not a bad thing because I think that the characters and the family, when they're all put next to each other, they, they have a nice kind of contrast to them. I like a lot of the designs, but the only really weird looking one is Nana. Um, and, uh, other than that, like Mashal, it's a bit too early on to really tell. Uh, for that uh, among the series that we cover anyway. And Actage, I don't think that it, I don't think it turning into an anime would have a very big impact, honestly. It feels like a series that's always going to have a very niche sort of audience to it, which Mm -hmm. isn't an issue. I just don't think it's going to explode in popularity once it gets an anime. The anime would have to be incredibly well made uh, for it to can pull in a lot of people and spy family is also incredible uh, already incredibly popular so it's, i don't think it would make a huge difference uh, i i'm sure that, that that series will get an anime one day um but it is already doing incredibly well so uh so that's all the ones i had from loon ramayashi we've been going for about two hours now do we want to wrap up yeah sure uh i have three emails here's emails here in a row from uh, this guy but i will go ahead and just do the first one okay. from him this comes from Paperclip. Uh, Happy New Year. This was from 2019. <laughs> Happy New Year. Man, you were in good times back then. You didn't realize it. Yamato, the ruler of Nippon, and Rolo of Norway T. Yeah, cool. I like All the right. Vi- Vikings are in right now. Uh, there is an apology here for a nick- for nicknames that we took offense to back then, but that we don't remember. So don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm holding this crutch. It's here. I'm taking it. <laughs> uh, I have been trying to catch up on over two years on the recaps. I decided to try listening from the beginning and my laptop died over a year ago. I've been spending months trying to catch up. So I know what questions you've already gotten. And I noticed, uh, oh, there's a question here as if we're going to do more Q&A episodes. Yes, not as often, though. Uh, I really appreciated your review of Flame of Rekka for Sadistic September. It was one of the first series I read all the way through, 
and your criticism was spot on, allowing me to see it in a different way than the nostalgia I felt from it. Can either of you think of a review or criticism of a work of art or media that let you see it in a new way? So, so. One, the first thing that came to mind is actually one that changed my mind and then I've changed back. Um, and that was the Red Letter Media prequel reviews. Which I mean that that changed I, a lot of people's views. So. Well, I, I really liked those movies when I was younger, and then watching the prequel, uh, the reviews, I was like, yeah, you know what? He's right. A lot of this, it, it was insane to think that kids would enjoy like this many council sessions and trade negotiation stuff. Uh, but now I've kind of turned on the reviews, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, they're not nearly as bad as like these reviews make them out to be. Especially yeah. like the later, like Revenge of the Sith, like. It, like hokey maybe but that's still a pretty solid movie for the most part in a lot of ways so um i i, I there's like that's one that i'm like i did turn but then i've i've kind of come back in on it a little bit yeah i think that i mean the, the big problem with those videos is that they are entirely negative and there is yeah. not even a single point where there's like a to be fair or anything like that there is literally no acknowledgement of anything positive in those movies yeah and there is some positive stuff in those movies like they even go as far as to say it's like the lightsaber battles are worse and it's like are you sure like, are yeah you there's, sure? Part of it too. there's also it's one of the hardest things to introduce people to because i'm like what well, you should watch this uh oh yeah i forgot uh the character's like a serial rapist or something it's not it's not super clear anyway uh you just gotta kind of put up with it to hear someone have a reason take down of the star wars prequels so yeah there's that um and also it there's an influence that those videos had that cannot be explained short in short yeah um in terms of other stuff, uh, there are some, you know, YouTubers that I follow online. Uh, Dan Olson uh, has done some did some has done some really cool uh, coverage of movies that I have never seen, um, but uh, also did uh, like a thing on that, you know, give me some insight on um, uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. And he gave a bunch of context of how, like, the first one's actually pretty good because the people adapting it had some leeway in how to adapt it. And then it, things fell off a cliff because uh, what's her face that wrote the fucking books? Whatever. Uh, it turns out she is a tremendously controlling person and she hated the changes they made. So then the second two movies are really bad. So... It was really interesting again. And it's like, oh, hey, there's, you know, some good stuff to be found in, you know, this franchise that's really weird and gross with the way that it portrays romance and S&M relationships and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, like there there are that's just one example. And I, I mean, I'm glad that I have this standpoint, because otherwise, what the fuck would we even be doing doing this show for yeah. of you can gain a lot from what someone has to say about a more famous piece of media. Uh, so there are a lot of examples of people out there that do it really well. Um, that are far more famous than we are. So yeah, <laughs> I, I would say the one thing I eventually learned and I hope everyone kind of keeps started is if in particular, if there's somebody who you enjoy, um, in particular, you agree generally with a lot of their thoughts. Uh, if they say something that you initially feel like you don't 
agree with. Like, I, I wouldn't say just don't always feel like you need to agree with people. Uh, it's something I eventually kind mm-hmm. of learned was like, oh, eventually you start to agree with someone's opinion just because you like that person a lot. And that's mm-hmm. not a good way, I think, to completely digest media. So even if necessarily you still enjoyed, like in your example, Flame of Rekka, I, I would say that if you still have nostalgic feelings for it and things like that, I, I would say you should still absolutely enjoy those um if if that's like your wheelhouse if that's something you really really liked you know actually i can think of a great example that we've talked about on the show before it's a very small example but how we both watch um the up up down down channel and how they both re- uh, both uh, tyler breeze and xavier woods really really love batista's entrance music yeah. <laughs> and yeah, after that we like both decided we like the song a lot more because they love it so much yeah it's <laughs> just like yeah this is a great song and then if you would ask me like two years ago to name like top five like top 10 songs of the attitude era or ruthless aggression era i'd have been like Batista, oh, maybe top twenty, I guess, if I had to fill out some extra ranks. Oh, the, the ruthless aggression here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, number one, basic thugonomics. <laughs> yeah, number one, number two, Mercy Drive, uh, burning in my light. Oh, right. The original, or, uh, yeah. Right, right, right. Weird song, honestly. Great song. <laughs> um. Okay, so there's that. Uh, da 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 da. Okay, uh, there's a follow-up question here also from Paperclip. Okay. What do you think could have been done differently that w- that would have made Flame of Rekka more tolerable or even good? Uh, I think that the main problem that we had with Flame of Rekka was just that it was too much like everything else that had come that had come immediately before it. And honestly, with especially when it comes to shonen series, a lot of stuff is meant to have mass appeal to a particular demographic. So there's going to be a lot of the same tropes, a lot of the same types of characters and stuff are going to get used. And that's fine. The only thing that I would have to say about Flame Record is that it just needed to have a little bit more to set itself apart. It really didn't need to be incredibly different from how it was it just needed to be a little bit unique and that would have probably it, it, maybe it wouldn't have been able to make it good um but i would have had more to think about it then well this was a shonen series that happened in the mid-2000s so uh in reference to an earlier question i've forgotten so much about flame of Rekka. i know i had an incredibly passionate like like review of it at the time i've forgotten so much of it since then that i can't even Mm -hmm. remember what its biggest problems were i remember having a lot of fights like too many like constantly everything was like a need to create one-on-one fights with characters and things like that um but i i guess at the time it was just like the the best aspects of the characters generally weren't utilized and then the ones that were just weren't interesting enough Mm mm-hmm and that would be a thing about, you know, it's like if it's, you know, been more unique, it would be more memorable. Yeah. So. All right. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Oh, yeah. I've got that's the end of that email. So. All right. That's going to do it then, guys. I hope everybody enjoyed this little Q&A episode. Uh, as Nick mentioned, maybe we'll do more of these at some point, just probably not as regular. But hey, uh, it's out there and we still have a bunch of questions left to answer. So there's that. And uh, we'll be back next week with our regular episode. And uh, I don't know what else to say, Nick. 
You have anything you want to say? Uh, go and listen to Dice Funk because I was in a recent one shot that uh, was done, conducted by Skitch, and uh, Chris is currently running a mini season uh, that is basically Phoenix Wright, and it is very fun to listen to because I know Chris that you were very you know you immediately were like oh no what have I done because I've had to construct a mystery and I basically have to plan the entire mm-hmm. thing out ahead of time. I think you're actually doing a really good job so far. Uh, in terms of progressing things so so yeah i, I like i uh, thank you that that means a lot i i i legitimately almost had a panic attack recording the first episode because i felt so unprepared and everything like that it just generally happens anytime i do something for the first time as i'm really nervous about mm-hmm. it uh at the second episode i thought written really well um yeah I, I hope people go check that out i hope anybody listening to this because i have been seeing people like tweet at me theories and things like that and i love all that by all means i do just want to note uh if you're listening to it uh i would desperately hope that you don't go into this expecting that i've created the most <laughs> intricate mystery uh, I'm, I'm doing it i'm hoping the players have fun i'm creating fun characters and there is like a mystery here to come to an end uh, but I'm seeing some people being like, oh, well, this must be a clue because this sort of thing doesn't do this normally or something like that. And I'm like, I, I probably made mistakes all over the place. I'm very, very sorry. I came up with it in a week. <laughs> so, uh, you know, please forgive me. Uh, but I also want to note, because we haven't ended yet, um, to please check out Pod Digis. Uh, I, I was invited by Jeff to be on his podcast about the new Digimon series. And although it kind of came at an awkward point because we recorded the episode and then like the next day, uh, Toei was like, so that's going to be on hold because of COVID. <laughs> so there is something like that. But I, I cannot recommend you guys have to go check it out. Jeff has a fantastic podcast uh, and it's, it, it's really excellent. We have a lot of fun talking, not just about the new Digimon show, but even if you don't watch that, just talking about Digimon as a franchise and then just all over the place because you know me and I can't stay to one topic when I'm on any kind of show. So <laughs> what? I'm sorry. You talking about the COVID thing made me realize, you know, that earlier question is like, you know, did you ever like, you know, get into a fandom at the worst possible time? Can you imagine getting into like any performance or TV show that is production that's done regularly or, you know, wrestling or sports or anything like that right now? <laughs> it's It's got to be the worst. I, 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 you know what? I had some reservations about the XFL, but I've heard that it's actually really good. So maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> gone forever (laughs) (laughs) i was just oh man you know what yeah uh there's that so go check out that uh and then that's gonna do we'll be back with a regular episode next week and that's gonna be the end of this recording goodbye